Welcome to the Propane Business Podcast. I'm Johnny. And I'm Yusuf. We set up and built propanefitness.com into the profitable semi-automated system that it is today, which allowed us to quit our corporate jobs and coach online full-time. More importantly, we were able to do this without a huge online audience or being glued to social media every day. We're now ready to share everything from the failures we've made to the systems that now consistently generate hundreds of thousands in revenue. We help personal trainers, coaches, and gym owners do the same by avoiding the mistakes we've made and the best practices going forward. Subscribe to this podcast to learn what we're doing and what we've done to build and scale propanefitness.com. We'll be teaching you how to generate a steady flow of online clients, win at Facebook ads, automate your coaching systems, and to achieve financial independence. Yeah, sure, sure. Let's let's do it. Let's do this. Let's do okay. it. Welcome to the Propane Business Podcast. We are here with Sammy from Hype Fury. I don't even know how to pronounce his last name, so I'm not going to attempt and mess it Dindan. up. It's Dindan. It's Dindan. Yeah, well, there is I'm not e of... in the end. It's not Dindani. Okay. Well, I'm I'm glad I didn't attempt, so I would have completely bugged that up. So Sammy is the founder of a tool called Hype Fury, which is a Twitter scheduling app, and Twitter is a platform that we've neglected for some time and I've slowly fallen back in love with it. I think it's actually an incredible platform for building a personal brand. It's, it's very quick. It's probably the fastest paced form of social media, but what it does is it gives you access to conversations with anyone and you can literally just butt into conversations and, and say your piece as well as having multiple threaded kind of conversations forward and back in time. So it is very cool. And what Sammy allows you to do is rather than getting drawn into the newsfeed and kind of allowing by nature of Twitter to the, the, the tool to completely knock your productivity, you can then write offline and then plug it all into Hype Fury and it'll schedule it out with a bunch of quite cool features as well. Sammy, thanks for coming on. Sure. Thank you for having me. So just before we started recording, Sammy mentioned that he has about 500 emails in his inbox and uses Superhuman, which I think is the ultimate flex as far as uh, emailing apps goes, because it's, is it $30 a month, did you say? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't think I know what it is. Okay. I've heard of it before. I think Yusuf might have sent, uh, Okay. Maybe I do. So it's basically an interface over Gmail. It's separate app, but it works only with Gmail. And you have you can do emailing with a lot of shortcuts to move into in the emails to archive them. It has one of the my favorite features in it is reminders. So I can send you an email and I say if you don't reply in three days, I'm gonna have that email back in my inbox, and that's very powerful because. You are, you make sure that you won't forget something important, you know? Yeah. Otherwise, it's not as magic as, you know, it, you know, you still have to read your emails. You still have to move them to the right folders. You still have to archive them, to take care of them, to reply to them. So I, I, I think it's worth the price. If only, you know, only for the scheduling, uh, no, sorry, for the snoozing, the reminders, I think it's worth it for me at least. It does look like the gold standard. It's just like, as you said, you've got, is it four main things you can do with an email, like delete, schedule, delegate, or snooze, for example. And you can just like do that in a very quick way as if you're playing Tinder on super speed. Yeah, it could be better though. I tried Hey recently. Have you heard of it? It's been a subject of controversy recently, hasn't it? Yes, with Apple. So their drama with Apple gave them a lot of publicity. Clever. Hey, 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 hey,
And hay is different than superhuman because, first of all, it's closed. It's not built on top of Gmail or any email. It's an email client and an email service. And uh, what were you saying about uh, superhuman? So I don't, I don't even remember was- what we were saying about superhuman. Okay, I forgot. Uh, I've been looking at the uh, the hay stuff recently, and it looks like their pricing is quite predatory, which is quite ironic because they were having a go at Apple for charging 30% by using their platform. But then if you want to have an email address that's like firstname at hay.com or something, it's like like $3,000 or some like ridiculous amount of money. So you can shotgun that, that particular name. But I guess that's uh, people who sell the email address. Maybe. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, By the way, I got Sammy at hey.com. So I think I probably can sell it, you know. Money. Nailed uh, it. Yeah. But I don't use it though because it's closed. It doesn't work with my existing email. They don't support like uh, custom domain names, etc. But Hey has some cooler stuff than Superhuman in, in, in some ways. Yeah. Interesting. Well, to to pivot nicely from email to who you are, Sammy, can you tell us a bit about your journey and what's kind of led you to the stage where you're at now, which is having running a, a software business? Yeah, so my journey pretty much started on Twitter. So I'm a software engineer. I do software consulting, you know, a typical job. You know, I'm self-employed and work with a client and I write code, I write software. That's what I used to do. And at some point, I remember a friend of mine. uh, So I was on Twitter, of course, because all developers on on Twitter. But I wasn't active. I had like eight or 700 followers. I wasn't active. And someday a friend sent me some nice accounts to follow. One of them was Ajak, Alexander Cortez, uh, Neval, some other guys. So I got back into Twitter and I got like hooked into that self-development, money, make money, etc., make money Twitter. So I was like, okay, I have a chill job, you know. I don't have a lot of things to do besides going to the gym and playing video games. And even back then, I, I didn't play a lot of video games. Why not try to make money out of something, you know? And back then, I was overworked. I wasn't overweight. I was before I was overweight. So I had just lost some weight. You know, I was looking great. I just started going to the gym and everyone was asking me, hey, how did you do that? How did you lose weight? You know, tell us more. And I was like, hey, why not just try to make money out of this, you know, and coach people and show them how how I did it. So that's how my journey on Twitter started. So I didn't know anything about online business, you know which is ironic because I'm a tech guy and people assume that because you're a tech guy, you're, you know, you know how stuff works online. But I didn't know anything. I didn't know what was, I don't know, email marketing and MailChimp and all that stuff. What's a lead magnet? What's a funnel? I didn't know what's a funnel. So I just got hooked, you know, it was... It was like a video game, you know, where you start from level level one and you're just trying to level up and learn, learn new stuff and hack how things work and put an offer out there. You know, I released an ebook for gym beginners with, you know, all the questions people ask me about, how, like, I'm worried to go to the gym, you know, what kind of program should I do? Should I 
take creating and stuff like that. Yeah, so that was the, the what I was doing that on Twitter, basically trying to learn all this online business business thing. And at some point I was like, hmm, you know, my career is pretty, like I said, pretty chill. You know, I was doing the same thing over and over. And I was like, yeah, maybe I should give it a boost and learn new things, you know. So I decided to learn some new tech. And I remember I was like, yeah, what kind of project can I do, you know, to just a toy project to do, to learn, you know, instead of doing something random like a to-do list. That's what developers do the first time you, you do Hello World and then you do a to-do <laughs> list. So I was like, and I don't know like why I got to this, but I asked on Twitter, hey, do you know any threads scheduler? Do you know any tool that schedules threads? And for people who don't know Twitter, a thread is basically a sequence of tweets. So you write a tweet, then you reply to it, and you reply to it, and then it makes like a nice story. And there was no tool to do that. So I was like, hey, you know, I want to learn some new tech and maybe I have a nice project here, you know, I can, I can do just for, for fun. So I made Hype Fury in a few days, I think three days or something like that. I released it, you know, and I did what any basic guru on Twitter does. It's, hey, I have limited spots, you know. PDFs left. Exactly. I did only <laughs> 10 slots left the, the tweet is still there if you go to hypefree.com slash about you're going to find that tweet there it's still linked there so so i got people into a telegram group and i think that was one of the best things i did was getting the users into a telegram group and then they started telling saying telling me hey why don't you add that why don't you change this you know it would be cool to have x you know and i just started adding stuff again for fun you know i didn't I wasn't planning to build what we have now. And it just happened, you know. I just saw people, they were using it every day. I had, well, before the release. So that was in August, in August. And I released it in December. So for four months, I've had almost 50 people in the Telegram group. I had 20 people using it. And I had maybe 10 of those 20 people who were using it like every day, like seriously every day. So that just happened, you know, I didn't notice it. And I started building features and I started reaching out to people, sending cold DMs, you know, giving demos, stuff like that. And, and you know, the, the users shape the product, you know, there's, there's a lot of companies who said, our users make the product. But in, in our case, like really a lot of future requests, a lot of future ideas, you know, came from the users. And I've always tried to to go from what the users need to build the the, the service, the product. That's really interesting that you've, so you started off building, I guess, like documenting your training. People started organically asking you about training tips. You started selling info products you then got into the kind of self-improvement money, Twitter, following that line. And then you applied your, your existing expertise, I suppose, in, in software development to scratch your own itch and developed a set of, a set of kind of super fans on Telegram that were giving you the feedback and shaping the course of the way that the software was developing as it went along. They, they pretty much built it in like a symbolic way, you know? I mean, I was a developer, I wrote the code, but the... The feedback and the future ideas and where the product was going was defined by by the users. Yeah. So why did you pick Twitter over any other social media? Was it just what you were using at the time? Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, you don't have many good social media out there. You know, there's Instagram where it's a lot of pictures where there isn't a lot of conversation going. It's not like the best place to learn stuff. And you have Facebook and I know nothing about Facebook, but I don't think there are like, I mean, like you said before, Yusuf, you don't have that quick stuff going on, conversation, you know, 20, 280 characters, boom, you post it, someone replies, like, boom, 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 you change, you know, very quick. Things happen very quick on Twitter. And that's something you have, you don't have in any other platform. So that's why, that's why I was there, you know, uh, on Twitter. So I just... And the way why I chose HiFree on Twitter, because I was on Twitter, you know, because I wanted to make a tool to scale threads. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Johnny. I was just going to say, I think it's interesting that we, like, when did we set, set up our Twitter, Yusuf? Like 20... 2012, yeah, probably. Something around that. And then, like, made a bit of effort with it and then gave up on it. And now we're kind of back to making effort with it again. I think it can, Twitter has this, like, dark horse reputation among the different social media platforms of like there's only certain types of people that go on there and it's less used i think the the users per, like compared to instagram and facebook are way lower but as you say it's a different type of use that people are on it's, i think it's more of a more an engaged use than just passively sitting and not really reading things and if you watch someone use instagram or use facebook it's very much like flicking through the newsfeed as fast as they can they're not really consuming what they're seeing it's just like how do I kind of stop thinking about my day or whatever? So do you think do you think right now there's a there's a strong use case for people who aren't using Twitter in a business sense or in a personal brand sense to start using Twitter? Oh yeah, they're missing out for sure. Like of course it's going, it's going to depend, you know, it's going to depend. But ninety nine percent there's ninety nine percent changes that they are missing out because while the people on Twitter are are less than people on Instagram. The Twitter audiences are much more faithful. Can you say that? They're more like strong when you have fans or Twitter. Basically, you sell more. Your, op- your emails get opened more. You have some really high uh, open rates. I've seen 40, 50% open rates on Twitter. Uh, yeah, so Twitter makes you closer to people and make people closer to you. And is it becoming, because I think social, most social media, most platforms these days are discussed as being like moving towards pay to play. I imagine from what you're saying, Twitter, you don't think Twitter's like that? Pay to play, like pay for ads. Yeah, just running running ads no. to get any kind of meaningful reach. No, 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 no. I I think I know nobody who runs ads on Twitter. Yeah, it's, it's pretty much organic, you know. Mm. You can pay to for like bigger accounts to boost you, you know, to retweet you, to expose you. You can do that if you want. But ads, like really, I don't... I don't know anyone who does ads on Twitter. We tried at some point at Hive Fury and the results weren't that good anyway. Mm. So, and that's what's cool about it. You can like grow an audience for free, you know, by just being out there and posting stuff and engaging with, with people. Yeah, yeah. It, it does seem like it's got a very different flavor to other forms of social media from, and, you know, I'm very new to Twitter. We basically, we bought a, a course by a guy called Jose Rosado who talks about how to kind of how to generate traction on Twitter. And it's all stuff about, you know, building a personal brand. And actually what we did is we changed the propane branded Twitter to a Yusuf Smith one because I'm the main kind of user of, of Twitter myself. And and that has seemed to improve things. It looks like people are much more involved in kind of a conversation that's going on all the time. 
And because it's much more fast paced and exactly as you said, Sammy, I, f- I feel like people are more passionate, they're more faith- faithful and they're more engaged in general. That even if you have, if, if, even if you are like a small player in the market, a new coach, new personal trainer setting up, it's a great way to very quickly gain traction and start just involving yourself in, in these kind of conversations. Now, it does sometimes feel like you're just the guy like turning up at a party and being like, Hey, Hey, Oh yeah, yeah, I agree. And then like, you know, just kind of <laughs> knocking into people's conversations, but it's kind of how the platform's designed to be. Yeah. Nobody cares. Like it's <laughs> just the way it is, you know, it's just the way it works. No, no, like if people are speaking on Twitter and you join the conversation, nobody would say, Oh, who's this guy? You know, it's none of your business. It's just the way the platform works. That's how it's made, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Like, and it's, it's kind of been interesting to get, to get used to that as a, as a process. But yeah, as you said, like for someone who is, for someone who's new or building a small brand, you can very quickly have conversations with high profile people. And if you add value, then they will retweet you and and they'll get involved as well. There's no kind of, I want to say no sense of hierarchy, not as if they're not really that there is one on social media in general, but it does seem like you have much more direct access to people. Yeah. Yeah. The the access that you wouldn't get on Instagram, for example, you know, good luck, you know, having a chat with someone with 100K followers on Instagram. On Twitter, that's possible. It's easier to reach people. Sometimes their DMs are open and the, the global vibe of people on Twitter is that they're pretty chill and they, they, they are not afraid to engage, you know? So yeah, I, and it's easy to get started on Twitter. You, you know, you already have a profile, you know, so you just start, you need to start adding value and then you're going to build your profile pretty easily. You don't need like a Facebook page or a Instagram business account or whatever it is, or a YouTube channel, you know, you already have your account, which is, your asset to build a business for later, you know? I suppose this is what makes it such an accessible platform because, you know, you don't you don't have to put yourself out, out on video. You're just limited by the thoughts that you have. And so that contributes to the kind of pace of Twitter as well. Compared to Instagram, you might see a big account posting once a day or twice a day at most. Whereas with this, it's like a constant stream, yeah. which is can be stressful, but, you know, that's what that's what we're trying to do at Hive Fury is making that time consuming process because it's very time consuming and social media is made to be addicting, you know. It's made so that when you join, you spend like one hour scrolling while you join just to read a message or a DM. So that's what you're trying to do. Allow you there are some people who scale like one week worth of tweets. I know a guy who scales one month worth of tweets. You know, he just sits down, boom, boom, boom writes his tweets for a month. We recently added inspiration tweets feature. So when you write a tweet, we're going to show you an old tweet of yours that did well, that was popular, and you can use it as inspiration to write a new one. So yeah, the, Twitter needs a lot of volume, not, lots of posting, not when you start out. When you start out, you don't need to post a lot because you have no followers. So You'd be talking to to nobody, but when you start growing some following, you need to post four times a day, six times, eight times, ten times, depending on how large your account is. How how many tweets have you scheduled? I think about five hundred. <laughs> so yeah, so the, I, this is the, the reason we want to talk to you is that like what you have as a software <laughs> is right up our street because we are all about 
batch processing stuff. And I had a couple of weeks. So I, I, I work as a doctor as well as doing this. And I had a, two weeks of night shifts where it was quite it was quite relaxed for a few of the nights. wasn't much going on. So I just sat and scheduled 480 Instagram posts. And it was pretty, pretty unpleasant. <laughs> just like two in the morning, four in the morning, just like scheduling out these posts. But it then just means like it's hands off. And then you can just let let that run. And then if you want to add to it and post more topical stuff, it just limits the amount of drain that social media provides for you as well. And exactly as you said, like if you try and do it organically and you're dipping into the web app, you need a superhuman level of self-control to just be like, oh, I'm just going to log on to Twitter and write my tweet and then I'm going to leave. <laughs> but you can schedule them anyway. So Twitter now have scheduling, they added that, but it's not easy to use because every time you need to choose the time, you know, while with something like Hype Fury, you have like a queue of your tweet and you can just fill the queue slot by slot. That's know? exactly what I love about Hype Yeah, you can yeah. just like, it's got a text box and you can just go bash it out next, bash yeah. it out next. Yeah. You can just yeah. basically produce a yeah. brain dump. Yeah, and I remember in the early days, I think it was Jose's idea. So Jose Rosado that you mentioned earlier, who, who was one of the first users who told me it would be great that when I post a tweet, I don't have to click again to post another one. So I made it so when you post a tweet, you have a new box popping right away. And then it gets you into like a flow of writing tweets. Yeah. So Can we talk about blogging, Sami? Because this is a platform that we built our initial audience on was a WordPress blog. And this was several years ago. And this were, it, it's so amazing seeing that over a period of 12 years, the global internet attention span has dwindled so rapidly. And we used to post three, 4,000 word blog posts that were like definitive articles on certain things. People would read them and share them on Facebook. And it would, you know, it, would, it was a normal thing for someone to spend 25 minutes reading an article. Now, blogs tend to get very little exposure. And if they do, it's like a blog with a YouTube video embedded in it. Or, you know, it, it's never long form text unless you have really like true super fans. And it looks like what Twitter is replacing, especially with threads, is blogging. Yes, everything's shorter in general, but I think it. this is just kind of a sign of the, the speeding up of people consuming content in general. Yeah. Being overwhelmed with notifications and emails and stuff like that. Yeah. That no one's able to kind of just sit and read a single thing. But the kind of unintended consequence of this seems to be that as a writer, you now have 140 now 280 characters to compress your thoughts into something that's so i think it was naval that wrote like before you write the blog before you write the book write the blog and then before you write the blog post write the tweet and then just post the tweet so it like it just basically taking like the absolute tip of the iceberg and posting it as the and i guess that's why the style of twitter is very polarizing very very absolute because there's no room for nuance and it forces people to optimize for brevity. I guess there's pros and cons of doing that, but it, by by doing that and being brief and being very definitive with the way that you speak, it promotes more conversation in a way because people are very like, oh no, that's not always true, or you know, and it it produces more of this kind of argument and back and forth. Yeah, drama is publicity, you know. So and polar being polarizing works well. Uh, I think blogs still have their they're used uh, like SEO. People still look up stuff on Google. So if you're an expert in, I don't know, building muscle, 
You can write a blog post about building muscle with the right keywords so people can go to your blog. And from there, you can get them to your Twitter, you know. You can give them some free free stuff, free ebook, free training program, whatever it is, and then bring them to Twitter. So I don't think, yeah, I don't think blogs are dead, but for sure, yeah, social media has changed the game. And yeah, the attention span is very short. So when you do something, you try to be as, how to say that in English, you know, you get to the goal, you know, straight to the goal. You don't like dance around it. Yeah, you need to be very concise and accurate in what you're trying to, in the message you're trying to send to, to your reader. So do you think... <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. That it has to. You have to then like really funnel it down to like what is the what are the key points I'm trying to get across here, and how could. And it's been good for me as a writer too, because it's eliminated extraneous words in in the tweets and also any ideas. If I'm like, ah, oh, well, I have to write about the exception here or whatever. Like, I'm like, well, if someone wants to talk about the exception to this rule, then fine, they can reply in the tweet and we can talk about it. So. It's been very good for, and you know, ultimately, like I know David Perel is very big on this. That writing is effectively taking your thoughts, and it's the most pure form of putting it into someone else's mind. And so, if you can smoothen that process as much as possible, you think more clearly and you express things more clearly as well. And then people are more likely to buy from you at the end of the day. Makes sense. Makes sense. I'm not a very good writer, so I can't relate, you know, but it all makes sense. Yeah, I think blogs are certainly not dead. And also, again, I think just like in Twitter, if you have people reading your blog, they're very likely, again, what's the word? Faithful fans, you know, loyal customers. So if people take the the time to go to your to your blog and read your 4,000 word, words article, that's a, that's a very good fan. You should, you know, should cherish if you want, if you wish, yeah. So in, in terms of application then, we've, we've talked about kind of the, the fundamentals of Twitter, what, it, what it's used for, how you can, how it's, it's quite a high yield platform for someone new or for a coach online, establishing some authority and credibility and getting, getting a dedicated audience. I know that Hype Fury has a lot of, I don't know if it's you or your team that has kind of some kind of information products and PDFs and things that are helping people build their, their audience and to maximize their reach and, and use Hype Fury to its best potential as well. Are there any lessons that you've learned from what you've done originally with the info products and then building Hype Fury that has informed how you, how you do business and anything that coaches who are moving online could benefit from? Uh, so I have a section in Hype Fury. I call it Hype Fury School back in the day where I have some ebooks that are not from us, that are from people I know and that I trust. So they're good products if you want to build uh, your online online presence on Twitter. I think whether you're a coach or not, the rules are always the same, you know. 90% or 95% of the time, they're the same. So provide value. You know, engage with your audience, reply to, to, to your followers, engage with them, tweet often, you know, maybe not when you have zero followers, there's no need. But when you start having a few hundred followers, start tweeting, promote your stuff, you know, don't be ashamed. There are a lot of people who are ashamed to promote their stuff. Don't be, you know, don't be like, don't promote your shit like 10 times a day. But yeah, I think if, if you build like a reputation and a brand, it's going to come, you know, but you need to put in the work for sure. Yeah. 
do you have any any specific like question about that so if someone's listening to this and they've maybe used because i think a lot a lot of people we coach or speak to they they are probably spending a lot of time on instagram they're probably spending a little bit of time on facebook maybe in facebook groups and things like that they're maybe trying to run a youtube channel or a podcast or something but they probably see twitter as like oh there's not much point in twitter anymore like generally speaking and i think people are wired to view things as i post a bit of content that and then i have a call to action and there's a link and that's how my free content works and then that that call to action goes to a sales funnel or goes to an email list but to, i mean I, I know less about twitter than you stuff so like i haven't you i haven't tweeted anything in like maybe 10 years maybe like possibly something like that yeah so like how how would i mean you're saying you know you start with zero followers and there's no point tweeting so you do you presumably poke tweet less often higher value information till you get a little bit of traction but then what's the goal there is it like short bits of content with the occasional promotion is it to move people on your email list like what would be a recommendation if if someone is moving from a more call to action based social media how would you start having a mailing list is a good idea having a lead magnet is very 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 important to have a lead magnet have a free program have whatever it is give something for free because people won't join your mailing list because you're cool. Mm. You're going to join your mail list because you're providing them with some value. Mm. And I, when I was doing fitness coaching, I had like, I don't know, 20 people on my mail list and maybe 16 of them were my friends. <laughs> when I released my lead magnet, I went to 250 like in a few days, you know? So yeah. it's just crazy. Have a freaking lead magnet out there. Put it in your bio on Twitter. There is a location section you can put whatever you want in it you don't have to put where you live so you can again put another call to action and the way you grow is by replying to other people so have a list that's what people call a sniping list so you're into fitness you're going to choose 20 fitness people you're going to have them into a list if you use a, a desktop computer which is very rare these days use TweetDeck. So it's a Twitter client and it allows you to have, to create a lot of different columns. And you can say, I want a column with this list. And in that column, you would be able to see only the tweets from people who are in a specific Twitter list. And then you engage and you engage and you be uh, patient and people are going to start to notice you. People are going to like, like your comments. And when they like them, it appears on the timeline of their followers. So when you go on Twitter, you see that your friend liked some guy's tweet, you know. And then you go on their profile because you're curious. You want to know who's this guy, you know, and you follow them. And that's how you grow a following. We've been using uh, TweetDeck as well. And, and we've been reading a book called Traffic Secrets by Russell Brunson which talks about the concept of your dream 100, which is kind of the 100 or 200 people who are share, who share your audience. Mm-hmm. They're maybe not in direct competition with you, but they, they have an audience with similar interests and there will be some symbiotic relationship between the, their audience and yours. And talking about how it makes sense to build a relationship with them, engage with their content in, a, in an organic way, and basically get on their platforms, get on their, their their podcast for example and to do to do this kind of networking with them and tweet deck is kind of perfect for that because as you said it allows you to create a list of people that you could even call dream 100 have it in a certain column and spend 20 minutes a day engaging with those people in a kind of value-adding fashion and i've definitely seen a lot of accounts that have blown up from zero to a thousand 
within a couple of weeks. And it's because they're relentless with just engaging on people's content. And obviously there's a, there's an algorithmic effect of that too, where like people are, if it's within the first hour of someone tweeting something and you're adding value to it. And then you can also see the kind of second rate guys that are trying to do that, but they're, that when they're engaging, you can tell that they're just engaging for the sake of like posting something. So they'll almost like just paraphrase what the original tweet is or like, just be like yeah cool story or something and you're like well that's just a bit of a crap thing and so something johnny said on last week's podcast was don't forget that the rules of normal conversation and being a human still apply online just because it's twitter doesn't mean that it's somehow you have to be a weirdo yeah that's true yeah i remember there's a technique you know if you want to cheat the system you follow like the dalai lama and all these guys with one million followers and you be the first who tweets, who replies to them with some bullshit tweet, you know, whatever, a quote, something, whatever. And then you're going to grow your followers. But then it's not the followers you want, you know. You want qualified followers. If you do fitness, you want people who care about fitness, you know. Um, sorry, there was a question before, no? I don't remember, but... TweetDeck. Okay, another tip. By using TweetDeck, you can set up a search for fat loss, for example. And then you're going to have a lot of people tweeting about fat loss, about, oh, I can't lose fat. Oh, I gained fat during COVID, you know. And all these people, you can engage with them and reply to them, provide value. They will maybe follow you. They, they, they probably won't buy stuff from you, okay? They won't buy stuff from you right away. That's not how it works. Except if, like, they, they really need to lose fat, you know, as soon as possible. And you have, like, fat loss ebook. But they're going to follow you and then you made um, a fan, you know? That's such an interesting strategy. I've, I've, I didn't realize you can have a column just for a certain term. Yeah, you can. Because then I guess that means, yeah, you, you can go in, add value for half an hour. And it's great because, you know, that means that the whole system is aligned towards adding value and moving people forward and kind of positivity on the platform. You know, you mm-hmm. said earlier that you got into the kind of make money online corner of twitter and i think there's definitely different distinct pockets and corners of of people's like politics twitter and feminist twitter and make money online and all this stuff and each one has its own flavor and its own kind of zealots and so yeah it makes sense to kind of learn to speak the language of whatever corner you're going to inhabit and make sure that as you said that that corner of twitter is the kind of people that are going to buy from you otherwise you're just building an audience without really much fruit well, I think when you're selling something as, let's say, generic as fat loss, you know, it's not a niche product. Everyone wants to make muscle and lose weight. It doesn't matter which like niche you are, you know, you can, you can even sell to people who don't even use Twitter that much. Because in reality, the, the, like people who have, I don't know, who have like more than 1000 followers, they're like the outliers, you know. It's like, I don't know, 1% or 0.5 or something like that. So most people don't have that many followers and are not even that active, but those people can buy from you. And they're actually more likely to buy from you than someone who knows 20 fitness coaches on Twitter, you know? If they know just you and they tweeted about fat loss and you reply to them, you are more likely to have them, you know, as loyal fans and as potential customers. So I think I would say to fitness coaches, the niche doesn't matter, you know, the niche where people are, as long as you can help them reach their goals. 
seems like there's a lot more focus on direct outreach and networking and you know that there's the advantage that it's only i guess it's only on twitter that you can do that whereas on you know on instagram it's considered very spammy if you just direct message someone random like we we get it quite a lot we get a, you know a message from someone with 10 followers and it's like hey loads of emojis would you like to grow your audience using our <laughs> patented microsystem and you're like oh great is that what got you up to nine followers like maybe not thanks yeah yeah on twitter you don't have to dm people i think by default the dms are closed so you can only either dm people who follow you or people whose dms are open which means they they opened them themselves you know they didn't on purpose so you can just mention people you don't have to dm them you know like you like their tweet and you mention them so it's two two notifications for them yeah yeah i think these are some nice growth strategies provide value uh network have a list of people you follow that you're going to interact with do a search on on tweet deck and every day you go reply to people keep keep uh the questions you have you know so you can build content with them so if you're already on instagram you probably have some content already but if you don't just keep a list you know it's going to be useful keep in mind that creating an info product like an ebook or a either paid or a free one as a lead magnet it's easier than most people think it's just a matter of saving your com- content somewhere you know in a document or whatever spreadsheet and just having enough content for when you want to write that 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 info product yeah so let's say take the the takeaway points for someone listening to this if they're a personal trainer moving into online coaching and they're like right I want to go away and start Twitter. I want to get some my first clients through the door. Would you say follow some people in that niche, start engaging, start scheduling out some tweets with Hype Fury and basically get into people's DMs? You don't have to get into DMs really. Uh, that's for me that's not important. Well, if you if you want to speak about something private, you know, if you want to ask them about their fat loss and it's something embarrassing, you can move on to the DMs. But DMs on Twitter are not... Use DMs on Instagram because there is no feed. There is no way to reach out to an Instagram user beside DMs. But on Twitter, you can reach out in public. You can just send a message, you know? So DMs don't matter. Reach out to people. And there's something I just remembered is that all the big fitness guys... I don't know, man. Scott Herman Fitness or all the big YouTubers, they don't reply to their followers. So they get asked questions and they never reply because they're busy or whatever. Go get them. Go get these people. These are free, free prospects for you. You know, you can find, go on any YouTuber you think of on Twitter and you search their name. I think you can write something like two, colon, two, colon, and the name of the user and then you can find all the people who tweeted to them can you try that yusuf i think i think that's what you do i know there's from and there's to so to somebody and you see all people who ask them questions and those people never reply because they're too big basically so you can reply to all these people yeah so with the with the problem that you solve who are trying to get help from a huge name. Nice. You don't even have to look up like the problem because if they tweet to a fitness coach, like, you know, they won't ask him about stocks, you know, and they, they're going to ask him about how to make muscle or 
what's the best program or, you know, look up, what's his name? The guy who says like, the guy who makes things very complex, Atlean X, you know, I remember too, <laughs> I remember I, if you look up Atlean X, the, there are a lot of people who look him up, you know, so try that. Yeah. That's a really smart strategy. So final thing we wanted to ask you about, which I've noticed you, you guys execute really well, which is the pricing psychology and free trial and all this stuff with setting up with, with your software that if I want to start using Hype Fury, there's a 14 day free trial and there's an, I'm incentivized to go for the, the annual over the monthly and, and all these things. It, this is clearly something that you've, you've thought about very carefully. Are there any lessons for pricing a personal training or a coaching product that you've learned from that and that you'd advise to coaches? So I, I did Hive Fury after I tried to do fitness coaching. I think it's different because if I give you, like when you get one year of Hive Fury, you get two months for free. So you pay for 10 months only. And I lose nothing. You know, I lose some few cents in service ser server costs, but it's fine, you know. But when you're a coach and you're giving your time, that's different. And free trial, I don't know, maybe you can do that. Like... Uh, one week trial to see how things will work after they pay, of course, you know, so your customers will have to pay and you can offer that and you say, yeah, if there's a good reason why my, you don't like my stuff, I can give you a refund, you know, that's something you could do. But I think eventually in the long term, okay, look, I'm not a professional fitness coach, you know, so that's just the way I see things. I think at some point you need to charge well uh, and there's, I think a lot of money to make. When I started doing fitness coaching on Twitter, I used to see very small, you know, I had very little expectations. And then I realized that people are ready to pay more than, than, than I used to think. And so I would advise that in the long term, you be more strict with your terms, you know, sell more expensive packages. Don't sell monthly stuff. Okay, it's not worth it for sure. Uh, if there's one tip about this, I can say never sell monthly stuff because when you onboard a client, there's a lot of overhead, you know, to, you need to learn about them. You need to make their training program. You need to know how they eat. You need to fix their form. You need to watch their form videos and all that stuff. And if they leave the first month, you're, you're fucked, you know? because you spent a lot of time doing that and you got one month worth of pricing. So sell like three months, six months, one year coaching for a big price. So you can, so how to say that? Knowing that the first month is going to be harder than the second and the second more than the third. And once like in the third, fourth month, you know, it's pretty much, you know, just um, on autopilot, you know. Yeah. So you, yeah. So you want to charge like for a longer period, and include that first over that first month's overhead in that price. Yeah. I think the the lesson to learn there is either if there is a large amount of front loaded friction when you are signing up a new client, that either you reduce the onboarding cost to you as a coach by automating that, or as you said, you price it so that let's say they buy a three month or a six month minimum period, and I guess that's where the pricing structure matters if you have a low-end product that's very passive compared to a higher-end coaching thing. And usually if people are buying a higher-end thing, they're probably going to be more likely to spend more anyway, and they'll be less averse to buying things in bulk. But given that's the case, 
as you said, there needs to be some kind of de-risking as well. I saw, I think it was, I don't know if it was Jack Butcher or someone similar who has like a 25 psychological mechanisms that software sellers use to to de-risk the customer and improve the kind of retention rates. And there's quite a few of these things included as well. I'll, I'll dig it up and I'll put the link in the description of this podcast because it's fascinating. Sammy, you, because of the way that Hype Fury works and you're, you're posting, you post tweets on your, on your platform and then it links with the API and posts out these tweets through Twitter. Have you noticed or is, is the algorithm something you've ever had to contend with in terms of Twitter preferentially choosing things posted through the web app over an API? Of course, it's my app, so people can say I'm biased. As far as I know, there is no such thing. Okay, as far as I know, we had, I just saw a thread from Hype Fury. It got 10K likes a few days ago. You know, I had my top posts on Twitter, my top tweets posted through Hype Fury. We have 400, I think, 50 users. They all post through Hype Fury and they they engage with their audience. So for me, there is no such thing, and it's impossible to know. It's you can't you can't test that, you know, because the algorithm is very complex. Nobody knows how it works, you know. You can use intuition to, you know, kind of try to find what works, what doesn't, you know. But you can know how the algorithm works, and you can triplicate test in the larger scale to to see if scheduling works worse than than the app what what i can say even if the the scheduling leads to like lesser engagement you can spend your time better doing better things than trying to optimize that you know so you can either spend a day on twitter tweeting or you can run your business and we both we all know that how business works you know you can't get shit done if you're all day uh, on Twitter with notifications, you know, just popping and stuff like that. So even in the case where tweeting straight from the app is better than scheduling, I'd choose scheduling because it frees my time and I can have more value doing other stuff. Yeah, that, that totally makes sense. And it's good to know as well that there's been no clear hindrance of posting through an app compared to through the, the, the tw- Twitter web app. But exactly as you said, even if it was marginally less, for the sake of the time cost that you're losing by having to use the to, to go on the Twitter app and run the risk of getting drawn into the, the feed and just having a worse interface, then yeah, it's, it's kind of a no-brainer to be doing that in bulk. Yeah, yeah. Cool. It's a nice way to say it. Yeah, Johnny. Any more questions? I feel yeah. like I've I've absolutely dominated the conversation. I've been so excited right. about, about all this Twitter I think, business. I think we've covered the the list, right? Unless there's any more you want to go over. The the only final the only other thing was really the the sense of so when when you're running a business that's on someone else's platform. So you've got your Hype Fury is is kind of dependent on what Twitter does with its API um, yeah. and how. You know, I think Twitter seems to be quite open to this, and they seem to really be supporting a lot of apps. So I think you're probably in a in a good position. But I've certainly seen companies like Latergram and what's it called, Meet Edgar, and these kind of social media platform scheduling apps that get screwed over by Instagram because they just suddenly stop the API from auto posting. And I, you know, this is in a way to stop spammers from from abusing the system, but it does mean that any of these kind of 
small software developers get screwed over in one swoop. Is that something that's ever concerned you? No, because there's nothing you can do about it. Uh, someone asked me this question like one week ago. No, there's absolutely nothing you can do about that. The, it's just uh, part of the, the game. You know, I, just, I mean, I decided. I decided to be on Twitter. This is the way it works. How likely is it that Twitter is going to stop that? It's very, very, very unlikely that they do it. I mean, I don't see Twitter just stopping all the scheduling, you know, because there's a lot of business, of money based on top of that, you know. So if they cut the scheduling... People are going to get pissed off. So, Well, yeah. advertisers are going to get pissed off because that's how they make money, you know. So it's very unlikely. So I, it's like saying, oh, what happens if there's a tsunami tomorrow, you know. I mean, I don't know. There's nothing you can do about it. We, we, High Fury, so I don't like the Twitter, Twitter scheduler, you know. That's not what we want to be because nobody dreams of writing, of scheduling tweets. Nobody wakes up like, hey, I'm going to schedule tweets with High Fury or whatever. Who wants I'm a weirdo, so. So people want to, what, what do entrepreneurs want? They want to be out there and to make money. So that's how we want to help them. So our strategy, our long-term strategy is going to be offering the, the tool to creators, to entrepreneurs to showcase their work and make money. And that will go through Twitter. And we already have posting your tweets to Instagram. We're going to connect with Facebook, with LinkedIn. I'm looking into minds.com, which is Twitter-like based on the blockchain. So decentralized social networks, you know. So the only thing I can do is diversify. But that is if, very Twitter, cool. if Twitter bans us tomorrow, you know, we're going to be very fucked, you know. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. But th- this is the benefit. Which is just the way it is. There software developer that you can be nimble and you can you can then say well i've i've created these solutions and i can just i can build something around whatever obstacles i'm facing so i suppose that having having the skills that you have hedges you in itself because you're able to adapt to the market as it changes yeah but you requires a lot of hard work you know especially in the beginning you know if you're a big company is much much harder i know companies that would never be that you know would have a hard time to to manage but if you're small and you try to stay small and not small in terms of number of people in the company but small in terms of how you handle the business you know try to be quick to adapt i also work like long hours you know we all work long hours so we manage to be very flexible but yeah for sure if twitter stops the service it's going to be <laughs> pretty bad yeah well, i think most most online businesses are in a position where they're they're pretty reliant on another online business for them to run right like we all probably need google fit like the facebook apps twitter youtube yeah. Allow yeah. It. and even as a user if you get banned from twitter and you have 50k followers like it's it's really bad it's a lot a lot of work that counts for nothing from... yeah that's why have your own newsletter you know mm. You don't own, your followers are not your followers. You know, your YouTube subscribers are not your YouTube subscribers. They're, they're YouTube subscribers. They're not yours, you know, Twitters. So always have a mailing list, always promote it. I try to get as many people on there as possible. But yeah, that's very important one. Even if you don't post a lot of things on it, you know, even if you give just a lead magnet for free and you gather emails and from time to time you send maybe I don't know, digest of your best 
recent tweets or your latest YouTube video or something like that, but keep on your followers, you know, on your platform. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I think something we, or a way we see all of these platforms and channels is just a way to help us build our email list and sort of what we teach our clients as well. Because as you say, like it's the only thing that you can download and move to another email provider if you need to, or, you know, yeah. it's the only data technically that the only asset, digital asset that, a, that an online business really has. Yeah. So, yeah. Very, very important. Yeah. I think yeah. there's a guy called, he's called Taki Moore. He's a business coach and he talks about this idea that like if two people try and do anything on the internet and one person has 50,000 people on an email list and the other person doesn't, like it doesn't matter how, it doesn't matter like who's got the better camera or the better microphone or like or whatever, right? Like the person with the 50,000 person email list is just going to instantly be ahead because you've just got yeah. traffic on demand and attention on demand. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't have to, you're not impacted by an algorithm, you know? Yeah. Okay. There's a email send rate, you know, once you have a, an old email address, an old domain, you're pretty sure that all your emails are going to go to the inboxes of your subscribers. So you don't, you're not impacted by algorithm, by censorship, if you don't say the right things and you think the right thoughts, you know? Yeah. Best asset for sure. Yeah. Main list. Sami, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for coming on and hopefully um, moving some more people onto Twitter. Sure, Make Twitter yeah. great again. If people want to try your software or find out more about you, where's the best place to go? So hypefury.com. If there's one one advertisement I can make, hypefury.com. Yeah. We have a free trial. We have free guides. So to I'm pretty much what I said here and even more, I think we have a free, very short guide. So it's not like a 60 pages ebook. You can read it in 15 minutes and get started right away into building uh, your, your Twitter uh, presence. Cool. Hopefully we will, we'll be in touch as well. Let's see if um, one of your team would be able to set us up with a, a discount code for people who listen to this, uh, this podcast as well. Yeah, sure. sure, sure. So if, if we can get that, we'll stick it in the description of the podcast on iTunes and YouTube. Yeah, sure. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Want to learn more about the systems we use to run, build, and scale propanefitness.com? Head over to propanefitness.com forward slash business podcast and you can get your hands on our free training that covers the seven steps that we take with every client that we help build their own online business and also the seven steps that we use to successfully build Propane Fitness. We walk through the sales systems, the delivery systems, follow-up, remarketing, how to basically build your program so that it delivers coaching to your clients without you being there 24-7. We really do cover the full thing, right? And if you want to continue even further and potentially work with us, there's a chance to book in a call to have an informal chat with Yusuf or I to just basically see if any of our programs would be a fit to help you get from where you are to where you want to get to. So go to propanefitness.com forward slash business podcast today and get access to that. If you'd like to learn just more about Yusuf and I, more about us, what we do, follow us on the various channels, the best place to go is our YouTube channel. We have a load of stuff from fitness content, productivity content, why Yusuf slept on the floor for several months, why he's been having cold showers. There's always stuff on there that's entertaining and hopefully informative. So just go to YouTube, search for Propane Fitness, and you can find out a bit more about us there as well. Speak to you on the next episode.